You're listening to B Word Unpacked, brought to you by Good Stock Consulting. Hey guys, welcome back to the B Word Unpacked. So this week is actually a pretty fun topic for me. We are unpacking the word boss. But before we dive in, lightning round. Ladies, real quick, who do you think is the baddest boss out there and why? Real quick. Uh, let's start with me. I will say Michelle Obama, y'all. I of course. love Michelle Obama. And I the think elegance. Oh my God. Mm. The poise, the Listen. grace, the intelligence, Everything. the beauty, mm. the the arms. The Listen. arms, the style, the swag, mm. the every the husband. Listen. I believe that her book just really gave her I, you know, I loved her just as our first lady, but I think her book gave her dimensions that I did not know and it just made me fall in love even more. She's every woman. She mm-hmm. is every woman and she's from South Carolina and and so I really feel like she is my cousin. I feel mm-hmm. like I am her, she is me and she is truly my epitome of just greatness, black girl magic. Right. Uh let's shoot it off to Kelly. Without a doubt, uh, to me, the baddest boss, and I feel like one of the biggest aunties of the black community is Oprah Everybody Winfrey. Know mm. Everybody know Everybody knows mm-hmm. and loves Oprah. Wait a minute. Yes. Oprah says she didn't want to be an auntie. She's a mother. She has she has several several girls of her school. She called, She says they're her daughters. They're her daughters. Okay. Okay. So we can say auntie? Yes. I asked her, okay. to, I asked her if you she asked could be my godmother. I did send her an email a long time ago. <laughs> That's no lie. That's no lie. Back when we had AOL dollop, she was having to make a wish. And I wrote her an email and I said, Will you be my godmother? She never wrote me back. But Oprah, no. Oprah, I'm a. I am still available. You're still available? (laughs) I am still available. She might still claim you. She might still claim you. But I mean, the thing about her that I love so much, besides the fact that she's a billionaire, besides the fact that I believe she makes um, $75,000 an hour, whether she's awake or asleep, (laughs) um, what I just think is phenomenal about oh is that she's been so willing to share her authentic self with the world i mean she has shared her triumphs and her downfalls she has publicly wheeled her fat onto a stage after she lost weight did you remember that i remember that oh, i can still see it i, I can remember that episode she has um and those vidal sassoon no um those sassoon jeans them little tight jeans jordash maybe they were jordash and the haircut i remember everything yeah. about it. And a, turtle neck. and a turtle neck. Again, grandmother Oprah. <laughs> Godmother. I Not grandma. Godmother. Godmother. Just the fact that she's willing to be like, yeah, I lost a boatload of weight, but yeah, y'all, I just gained it back because I love bread. Right. <laughs> Oprah loves bread. You get a loafing. You get a loaf. <laughs> I just love her so much. And the fact that she is very intentional yeah. about uplifting her community. I mean, the millions of dollars she's invested in yes. Morehouse and Spelman. Yes. The millions of dollars she's invested in ensuring that those young women in South Africa have a future and can yes. have yes. any education that they want. Yes. To me, I just I just bow down. I bow down. Right. Oh. Yes. right. What about you, Ed? Listen, okay, you, if you know anything about me, you know who I'm going to say. Oh, we know. Mm. She only takes one letter. <laughs> she only takes one Bow. letter, okay? Yeah. And we're going to talk about my girl, B. Okay, Beyonce, again, I am available, okay? <laughs> I'm I'm available. So Beyonce is, the for me, she is the embodiment of everything that is the modern woman in that she she is she is unapologetically herself. Yeah. She, she's 
claimed ownership of her body. She presents herself yes. in a way that is very classy and at mm. the same time very snatched and very sexy. sexy. She she is she has a confidence that kind of radiates and that L cover. Very, mm. Right? Yes. Mm. Yes. Any cover. You mm. better rock the brain. Any cover. Girl. She could be on Y'all, it's Beyonce. So th- the <laughs> thing that I really love about it too is that the amount of exposure that she gives to black culture, because do I yes. need to remind you guys about Homecoming? No, you don't. No, Because no, she don't. had everybody singing no, the, the, the Negro huh. National Anthem. Huh. She had people did. confused. Say, what is that? She that introduced a special it to people. people. Right? <laughs> I felt like I was, I, all of a sudden, I was a graduate of HBCU. Hello. I mean, I was there with her. She yes. was there with me. Yes. I mean, but she really does bring it to a sense of the, the entire album of, of Freedom, for instance. Yes. When she did the water dance, Listen, I was in the water dance. Listen, listen. In the bathtub it's trying to make things happen. I am, I am out there doing happen. full Zulu. I was a Zulu at that point <laughs> because it makes you just so proud of like who you are and yep. this and this appreciation. She not only talks about the empowerment of black women, but also of black men. Like she said with Jay-Z, I like my I like my Negro or Jackson Five Nostrils. Like the, there you the, go. to to say I'm not gonna don't tell me to do anything to my little daughter's hair. It's perfect the way it is. And and that's the type of thing that Instead of her bending to become something that the mainstream media wanted her to say and yep. do, she went into the Super Bowl in an all-black Janet Jackson and shut it down. Shut Unapologetic. Listen, shut it down. And when you're at that level, you don't have to worry about what they're going to say because you don't really care. And so you can truly be authentic. But she, and as much as she kind of changes the culture of black people and made it very much a common thing in the house Mainstream. of all cultures, right? Yeah. She also gives back, her and Jay-Z give back so much money, and you rarely if ever hear about it because when you're truly giving from the heart, you don't have to talk about She's it. She's so mm-hmm. humble. Right, so, Shout yeah. out to all the country right. girls. And she just love country. Yep. And, oh. Child. Yeah. <gasps> listen, on the interview, I'm like, oh, you got the same twang as me. Okay. <laughs> okay. But you might be listen, listen, kind of people. Maybe I can sing too. I don't know. Maybe I can. So y'all, that was good. Right. I mean, and and I agree with you. Oprah and Beyonce and Michelle Obama, like, yes. Call everything. us. If y'all want to call us. Come get us, please. Come pick me. Come pick me up. Right. So let's jump into this word, boss. Let's unpack it, y'all. Welcome, Welcome to, to the B-Side. Now, before we start unpacking this word, I think it's very important to ground ourselves in what is the actual meaning of the word boss. Now, as we know, boss can be both a noun and a verb, right? The mm-hmm. the, the noun boss meaning just a person who exercises control or authority. We all know that person one. Or one who directs or supervises workers, right? But then the verb boss literally means to give, you know, orders to someone, to boss someone around like for example, quit bossing me around, girl. Like, get out of my business, right? right. <laughs> or to exercise control or authority over, like, to act like a boss. So can y'all remember a time growing up when the word boss was used to describe you or someone close to you? And whether or not, even a step further, did you perceive that as being a positive thing or a negative thing? So I already told y'all, I'm the baby of four girls. Um, I do have a brother and another sister. But in the house, it was me and my three older sisters. And they call me bossy all the time. And I think that just kind of comes with being the baby, right? That's why we got the movie Boss Baby, isn't Um, that right? I don't know. (laughs) Because it just fits. But I have always been called bossy. But I believe that it is a strength. That I sometimes overwork. You're here. Okay. And, but I don't see it as a negative. I honestly see it as a compliment because they know that I get shit done. Uh oh. And yeah. so, regardless to where I fall in the line of my sisters, they know that 
when it's time to get the things done, Kim can do that. Okay, Butler girls, happen. shout out to them. Uh-huh. It's going to happen. I am the youngest of three girls and without a doubt was called bossy from the time I think I could walk. Um, I've shared on here before that I'm what you call old people churn in the South. So um, I grew up kind of wise beyond my years, but from a really early time, I was always described as bossy from the time I was in kindergarten. I mean, y'all, I was always the line leader. I was always organizing the games. I was always one the, the one saying, no, it's Candyland today not shoots and ladders. So <laughs> I was certainly bossing folks around from the time I could, you know, form a sentence, I'd say. And I don't think it's negative. It certainly helped me thrive in my career. It's not bossy. It's called leadership. Oh, Thank you. Oh. Thank you. Look, cue that little song, I'm bossy. Hey. <laughs> so, I mean, for me, you know, grow, growing up, I am a firm believer We do not own the copyright of, to I'm bossy. All right. We do not own that copyright. But if you, again, get in touch. But, um... <laughs> So, but as as far as like growing up, I do believe in the same thing of what is a boss in our neighborhood. I didn't see necessarily anyone that could be carrying the title of boss. So you see these people walking around and it's just a certain amount of confidence, a certain amount of swagger, a certain amount that you kind of carry yourself. So for me, there's oftentimes I'm walking down the hallway and regardless if you know what I do or not. I had a woman say, you, like, you you walk like you are the boss. Like, uh, how mm-hmm. are you carrying yourself? And it's one of those things I never really considered the way you carry yourself. But I think if you have that confidence, regardless, again, of what your title is, you in that moment, you are the boss. You so, know what? I actually it. had someone in preschool, because I was probably, or maybe kindergarten. Mm-hmm. I didn't go to kindergarten. I went straight to first grade. Okay. But... In between that, that told me that you were supposed to walk with your shoulders back and breasts out. And I feel mm-hmm. like it was probably like a sex or something. Mm-hmm. But I really took it on to mean what they meant is confidently. Mm-hmm. So oh, put your absolutely. shoulders mm-hmm. back. Mm-hmm. Work on your posture. When you sit, sit with authority. Right. When you walk, walk with authority. In fact, I have an aunt that calls me um, hard walk because I walk like oh, a horse. Yeah. <laughs> you stomp, honey, you stomp. What, the little old lady said she could tell I was about, she said I walked like I was thick. Yeah. <laughs> shout out to myself. Okay, shout Slim out to myself. Thick, baby. Right. Slim thick, baby. Slim thick. But yeah, I think people really do start to judge you by yeah. how you present in the spaces that you're in. And right. so it's important to keep that in mind. Right. Um, and, and the way that people label us, even though we don't want to be overly concerned with what people think about us, those things really do play a significant mm-hmm. role in how we step into ourselves as a boss, as a leader in all the spaces that we occupy. Right. So where we work, live, play, and pray. Right. Definitely, definitely. You know, thinking about professional settings, I think there can be this whole mystique, this whole curiosity about who is a boss, what is a boss, and then how does one even become a boss? You feel me? So I think about as I was coming up in the nonprofit sector, starting to pay close attention to the types of characteristics that were exhibited by the bosses, the types of decisions that they were responsible for, the impact that they were making. And I had to get more and more comfortable offering my opinion and in my own way, bossing up in certain circles. You know, I can remember distinctly the first time that I was going to apply for an executive director position, which to me was the ultimate boss move. Mm -hmm. I felt so out of my depth, y'all. I felt unqualified. I was hesitant to apply for the job. Why do and do my boss, why do we do that? Why do we know. do that? I don't know. But my boss at the time was a, a white guy named Greg and he schooled me and he was like, Kelly, 
no one is born an executive director. No one steps into that job knowing really what the hell they're doing. You just apply, you transfer your skills from other experiences, and you handle that shit. And so at the end of the day, we're all just human. And I I did what Greg suggested. I submitted my application. I interviewed and I got that job. And I shout out to Greg. Shout out to Greg. Sponsor. Yep. Right. I mean, and I absolutely know what you mean by that feeling of like, how am I going to get there? Am I good enough? Right. Because my journey to become an Adobe board certified anesthesiologist required me to tap into these ball strengths and qualities that I didn't even know I possessed. Girl, stop. Now you know you, you are stop. you you are not only a boss, here we go. you are over here making history. Here we go, okay. Shout out to our here we first African American <laughs> woman anesthesiologist we hired at the Medical University of South Carolina since okay. the hospital's opening in what? 1824. Okay. Quite a damn shame. But yeah, she is represented. And, and that but that's the thing. It it is a shame. I always tell people it's a it's a blessing and a curse in a way, and that I know before me there were several hundreds of women, thousands of women that deserved that position before I even got there. And so that's why I tell people all the time, being a boss doesn't is not reflected in your title. You should mm-hmm. not feel like if you don't have the title uh, of that position, that means you're a lesser than. Being a boss is absolutely who you are. I stand on the shoulders of the greats. Yes. They were the boss. I am the boss set. Okay? <laughs> I'm the boss set. But but that's what that's what it is. It's carrying yourself and knowing what you know. Put those shoulders back because you deserve to be seen because you possess mm-hmm. a talent that no one else can possess. So what about you, Kim? Like, wh- how did you step into that ball self of you as the director of what? The Ryan White Wellness, Ryan White Wellness Center. Center. Look her up. Look. Um, Check her. A shout out to my team at the Ryan White Wellness Center. Hello, team. Um, I still struggle with this one because while others see me as a boss every day, I really work hard to make sure everyone around me our bosses. Mm-hmm. And so the word becomes obsolete because everyone should be operating in boss mode, right? For sure. And so um, even with my team, I manage a team of uh, almost 30. And I always stress that we're all leaders. I'm not the only leader mm-hmm. here. We're all leaders. And at times we all have to know when to step up and when to step back. Mm-hmm. And it's been beautiful through my journey as a boss to learn how to become a servant leader. Mm-hmm. Well, that's so, what makes a good boss. That's what makes Absolutely. a good boss. But I honestly believe I went through three steps. So I started off as a transactional leader where I felt like I was giving things in order to get things. And that's not my personality. I don't do things to get them. And then I turned into this transformational person where I was trying to pour into everyone around me mm-hmm. just right. to make sure that you were receiving what you need. In fact, the first question I asked when you interview for a job with me is, who do you want to be in the next five to 10 years? Right. Because if it doesn't align with what yep. we're doing here, you shouldn't be mm-hmm. on my team because I can't give you what you need in order to be who you want to be. Right. Because right? this should be a mutual relationship right. where we're both benefiting our symbiotic relationship, right? It's not transactional. It's not transactional. transactional. But I am so blessed that I can walk in this space right now with an amazing team where I can be a servant leader because I know I got bomb ass people on my team that are high achievers, very qualified. And 
I can show up to work and they can tell me what to do. Yep. They can tell me what they need in order to do their best job and be their best selves and take care of our patients in the best way. And this has honestly been one of the best phases of my life mm-hmm. as a boss, mm-hmm. just showing up every day to serve my team. Well, if you're a dictator, you're, you're doomed to fail. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's the diversity that makes your team stronger. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You're that Trump. All right. Um, so y'all. <laughs> hashtag pray for us. Hashtag new 2020. Okay. Ooh. Okay. Hashtag Ooh. Donald Dunn. Right. How check? No so, reviews. ladies, I want us to do a quick data dive for you about black women in leadership roles in the sectors that the three of us represent. So those sectors include nonprofits, medicine, and business, following which we're going to unpack those stats. So first of all, women earn more than 57% of undergraduate degrees and 59% of all master's degrees, but yet... We make less than men. Although women make up 73% of nonprofit employees, women CEOs in nonprofits on average make 23% less than men in that same role. Now, there are currently just two women CEOs of color in Fortune 500 companies, and they probably earn less, less than, than men. men. We got a problem. And big time. Mm-hmm. And although women now represent a majority of medical school students, black women make up roughly 3% of medical students and 3% of physicians. So and, y'all, what do you have to l- say about that? Let's, I can tell you on that last point, um, I can tell you too, that medical doctors, female medical doctors make less than men. Uh, <laughs> and it, I mean, it really is one of those things, like for instance, women make about half of the full faculty when you think about the, uh, in medical school, the, the people that are training the next medical physicians to mm-hmm. come into this world. And yet, be, even though we make up a third of those full-time faculty, we make up only about 21% of full professors. And what that is, there's, there's, a, there's a hierarchy in how long and how much you've been a, to advance in your career. So the full professors are like the goats, right? Mm-hmm. You are untouchable, you're tenured. Now, as far as in that same arena, the chair of the departments, that's the boss of the entire department. You only have one of those. Women only make up about 15%. So we're saying we are, we're a third of the, the faculty population, but yet only 15% of the boss of, the, of that department. And it goes to speak to why, what kind of biases, what kind of hurdles we have to overcome. Um, and whether that's going to be social biases of you trying to be a mother or wife, you know, raise yes. these kids, mm. yes. working working as a full-time parent huh. and a full-time doctor. that's where the real work starts, right? when you get home. Right, because yep. the reason why the other 85% of these uh, positions can be filled by men is because they have a woman at they home. They got wives at home. They got, they got stay-at-home moms. Hello. So I we're tell gonna my husband all the time. I need a wife. Listen, I, I don't need a wife. I, listen, I I would I would be a I would be a good uh, probably woman to a wife. <laughs> I, would, I, would, I would bring her flowers. I would do. I would, said, I would treat I mean, her I would very probably, nicely. I would probably. I would probably. But it's one movies. of those things of if how do you carry the load of all the responsibility of the emotional load of of life 
and the professional um, load of, of work. And that's where I think we're seeing this breakdown in the growth curve of a woman's professional development. Ab, I have a quick question mm -hmm. for you. So mm -hmm. the other day I was writing an email right. and I addressed the person by their first name right. rather than by their title. Right. And this person is a medical doctor. Mm -hmm. And so we kind of had a this shout out. Hey, Dr. Joya Creer Perry, right. founder of Joya. the National Birth Equity Outcome Initiative. A boss. She is a boss. Yes, ma'am. But re regardless, so Dr. Joya had asked me, she's like, girl, you know me, call me Joya. But there's this notion or there's this formality about calling people by their titles right. versus not calling them by their titles. Right. So, I mean, as an MD, as a doctor, kind of right. what's your take on whether or not somebody calls you by their title and kind of the formality that we defer to individuals who have strived, who have risen to Completely. a certain level? Completely. Right. For, for me, titles are important. Again, not in the sense of the title is defining or making you a better person, but title is important in representation. Yes. And I can't tell you how many times I've been in a patient's room for 30 minutes, 40 minutes, pouring my heart into them. And they then say when I'm leaving, okay, well, when will the doctor get here? And it's mm. like, I just told you when I, when I mm. introduced myself <laughs> as Dr. Hilton. But because this, this notion, um, you, you are not allowed to, to have that status. And so whenever we're exchanging emails um, with Dr. Gray Dr. Perry. Perry. Right. Mm -hmm. Look at me. She gets those names wrong all the time, y'all. She's bad with names. I think I'm just oh. let's claim it. Claim I don't it. know. It's, it's, it's a, it's a Everybody's flaw. Everybody's name a, is it's wrong. It's a character flaw. <laughs> but when we were sending an email, I, I, did, uh, I did ask, you know, can we not refer to her as Joya? I was, again, I'm very big on you know, adjusting my sister's crown and I'm going to get a respect, respect is due. And when we're talking to most male doctors, we never say, hey, Tom. We say, Hey, Dr. Foster, how are you? And so why can you say Dr. Foster, but you're going to hit me with the ebony? Now, that is my name, and it does mean black, and it is very strong. But but I've earned this title. Yes. And what we see is study after study shows that when you're introducing male versus female professional as far as their titles, right. women get introduced by their first names notoriously. Mm -hmm. And it's an undermining of everything they've accomplished. And it is and it's evident, like I said, and when you look at the progression of that that success ladder, we're seeing fewer and fewer and fewer women make it up there. Right. And we're we're limiting their accomplishments and their abilities. So every time I see it, I'm very quick to say, no, no, no. No, no, no. That's yep. Dr. Paula Orr. Put a you handle can, on you my can name. Even, you can even call her Dr. Orr. There you go. But you will not call her Paula. And yeah. one thing for our listeners, just in case you're ever not sure, unless the person who you're engaging with, the medical doctor, the PhD, unless they've explicitly told you, hey, please call me by my first name. We can forego the formality. Lean into the Make formality. sure you drop the doctor on it's, there. Yes. It's so funny. There is a clip. If, if I can try to find it and maybe we can put it in the um, po post or the podcast notes but dr maya angelo mm -hmm. yes quickly checked someone in the audience yes, one time you will call they, me right, miss when when no she said you would call me doctor, doctor. she the the, the young lady stood up and said um maya i have a question yeah. she was on oprah and the young lady was really excited it. because here i am getting to speak I remember to that. dr maya I angelo and she said hey maya did it and she said whoa, whoa, whoa no 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 my name is Doctor, yeah. and I was disappointed because that was a black woman oh, that yeah, stood up, and I sure. thought you know your mama taught you better but than that. But here's the thing, though. But here's the thing. Again, there's a, there is a commonality, and I do think as women we see each other and say, "Oh, you know, you're my That's girlfriend." My you're right. But when it comes down to professional talk, if I am writing you a professional email to you. ask for your expertise, yes. then in that moment, your name. 
is Dr. Johnson. Absolutely. If we're at the cookout playing spades, because y'all know I like to do that. If we're at the cookout <laughs> playing spades. bang your hand up playing spades. My hand is yes. literally right now, There folks. you go. I am bruised. I am, I am injured. <laughs> I'm injured bad. Shout out to the butler girls. Shout out to the Daddy butler. butler. But guess who had to get up? Not me. Okay. <laughs> Until Trey got that in. You know, we got it. But you know, but it is one of those things. If I'm at a cookout, that's fine. We are now engaged in a, in a social setting. But anything, if I'm asking and leaning on your expertise, I will never come at you disrespectfully and not call you by the title that I'm hoping to gain knowledge from. Mm-hmm. So just put the handle just on it. Just put the handle, handle on, on it. it. You know what? As we talk about healthcare and working with doctors, so I'm not a doctor, but I'm trained in public health. Mm-hmm. And I work with a lot of doctors. And um, I manage hold on. a lot of doctors. Aren't you getting your PhD? I am. Okay, so can oh, we can we rewind that back? Keep me on the can we rewind list. that back? Name keep it. Me on the Name it. These, these revisions. Right. Jesus, just keep me Support on the prayer your list. Sister. So we will be done with that. But I find that working in public health, regardless of how qualified I am with experience and education, when I work beside traditional medical people, be it nurses or physicians, I constantly have to prove how smart I am. Mm -hmm. I constantly Mm -hmm. have to stress Mm -hmm. how important public health is to the traditional medical system. I constantly have to talk about why we should consider Mm -hmm. the community and social determinants of health and how they affect healthcare and why transportation is important and why food security is important. And I even have to stress why I should be paid as equitably Mm -hmm. as the traditional medical Mm -hmm. people. And I struggle with that because I chose um, corporate hospital systems as my path. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I used to work in nonprofit. And while I love it, because I feel like every public health person should start in a nonprofit because it teaches you how to be a jack of all trades. It teaches you how to accomplish many jobs on pennies. Yep, boots Um, on the ground. Boots on the ground, pull your straps up. I mean, you learn the grunt work. But then I think it's also important that we move into these corporate spaces so that they understand how to integrate what we've learned and what we've done into these traditional spaces Mm -hmm. so that we create more synergy and a collective impact and a real impact for the most vulnerable populations. And so that that's really when Kelly talked about the stat about nonprofits and women um, only representing 23% of the leaders in nonprofit worlds, we need to see that higher, but we also need to see that higher in those corporate spaces, Absolutely. especially from underrepresented um professions like public health in traditional healthcare spaces. Yep. Okay. And I mean, and along that line, you know, you were talking about public health and in the hospital. And when we first started Goodstock, I told you guys several times, okay, I'm really interested in this concept, but how does it mean? What does it translate to? So one of, one of the things I know is that the languages are different. Mm-hmm. We're speaking the same. You could be speaking in French and you could be speaking in Spanish and saying the same Bonjour. thing. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> but if you're not, if there's not an understanding of of what it is, a translation, then it doesn't make sense. And so what I love about our group in particular is we are saying then, how can we intersect these two languages? Mm -hmm. How can we be the the middle of these two languages? And what it's going to take as boss women is literally saying, hire your weakness. 
Yes. Hire your weakness. Yep. And yes. so if I don't understand what you guys are talking about in the in in your your groups of where you're in these office spaces and yes. and and I'm not seeing drops of blood that I need to fix, and if you're not in seeing this person needing dialysis, then our languages are different. So what we need to do is bring ourselves together, Absolutely. cross that bridge together. And, and not just hire work. them, but value Value. Yep. value. Hire, hire and value your weakness. Yeah, Identify it and be authentic with yourself. So y'all, it's time that you should be bothered. Hashtag be bothered. We spend a lot of time sharing our experiences as bosses, our leaders in our workspaces. What are some of the lessons that we've learned about stepping into a boss role? I'm going to go first. So, and this is kind of piggybacking off of what Eb just said, but I think people need to lean into their strengths. Right. So one of the things that I think we get wrong as a society, you know, if a little kid isn't reading well, or if, you know, they're not throwing right, we automatically lean into that, the deficit. But what you should be leaning into the fact is that they might be a mass whiz or that they might be a musical genius. So lean into the strengths that you have and excel with that, because like Eb just said, at the the end of the day, you can hire somebody who can make right. up those weaknesses for Absolutely. you. Right. You don't have to know everything, mm-hmm. but you can make sure that your strengths are on like just hyperdrive on superpower. Right. Another thing, and I have two more things to drop, but another thing is that I think you need to empower the people on your team Absolutely. to do their jobs effectively and grow as leaders. Right. If mm-hmm. you are the boss, a true boss, you don't gotta do everything. Hello, Learn absolutely. how to delegate shit. Get mm-hmm. things off your plate. Right. Empower the people around you to lean into their strengths mm-hmm. so that they can make you a stronger leader. And then lastly, know your craft. Y'all, don't get sloppy. Right. Things are changing Every single day. Mm-hmm. Every single minute. Every Listen. single minute. Listen. I mean, the way in which that public health is changing, the way in which medicine is changing is so lightning fast. And so it is your responsibility. I don't care if you're a teacher, if you're a chef, if you're a firefighter, whatever your chosen profession is, there are constantly new innovations. There are constantly new learnings. So make it a personal goal. What I've always done is... On Fridays, I'll schedule time on my calendar and I'll block it off. And so on Fridays from 2 to 4, it says Kelly, PD, Kelly. That means Kelly Professional Development. And I'll take time to read articles. I'll take time to watch a webinar. I'll take time to call somebody who's in my field who's doing things that are innovative that I am not familiar with. Mm -hmm. So do not get sloppy y'all right. know your craft lean into it and you be the expert right that's so kelly to put Listen. professional it's development on it's on my calendar, calendar girl. girl do you hear it one two and three do you hear it <laughs> kelly spoke a lot about um her second point i would say about empowering the folks around you you guys know i'm a big proponent of mentoring oh absolutely like i believe we are supposed to be feeding the next generation because somebody fed us right, right. Yep. and so in order to make sure that our future is secure and it's well it's important that we feed into the next generation. In fact, um, Ebony and I were at my office and one of my mentees showed up. Shout out to Sam. She's hey, so Sam. fabulous. She's so fabulous. Yes. She's so smart. She's so creative. She's so yes. cute. She's so cute. Yeah. She's so cute. <laughs> right. And she showed up to my office unexpected just to drop me a note to say thank you. And it, it made me cry because I see what I do with her and so many other young women that I see myself in, be it black or white, as my 
job. Mm -hmm. It's what I'm supposed to do. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's not what I want to do. It's what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to be pouring into the next generation because somebody poured into me. And so um, I think those opportunities are sometimes lost when we are chasing our own dreams and trying to build Mm -hmm. our own careers, but never be so busy with yourself that you forget the people that are watching you because there's Always, always young people watching you. And if you want to feel secure when you are 50, 60, 70, 80, right. reveling in what you've built, you better make sure that you're turning back Hello. and Absolutely. giving back to the people who are looking at you and paying homage to the people who poured into you. Hello. Let the work that I've done speak for, for me. me. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, it, and when you talk about like generations, what I always think of, because y'all know how I feel about black people and you know how I feel about women, but women, we literally birth nations. Yes. So of course we can control and, and run a nation. It's, it's always funny and weird to me to think that we haven't had a female president because literally no one would be here without a woman. Huh. Mm-hmm. So we run our households. We, 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 we run the room when we walk in. So yes, women, when you're thinking about being a boss, it is about staying humble. You do need to be humble, yep. but recognize the greatness that is in you. Your, your body is literally a machine to do any and all things. So walk like that. Everything you need is literally at your fingertips. Your brain, it has an ability to kind of do a, what do you call it? Like the mother invention is a necessity, right? Mm -hmm. So you're constantly thinking of things that can make life easier. And you have the heart of a leader in that you literally care about people. You, Like I said, you birth people. So there's something that when you see other humans walking around, it's a motherly instinct, whether you have kids or not, of just wanting to do the best for everyone around you. So again, women, you birth nations, you can be a boss. Of the nation. So, 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 you know, this whole episode um, has been absolutely fantastic. And we thank you guys yes. for tuning in. So keep listening to the B Word Unpacked. And please tell us what you thought about today's episodes in our comment section. We really do read through all of those. And let us know if there's a B Word you want us to unpack in the future episodes. So until then, let's keep unpacking. Learn more about Good Stock Consulting at www.goodstockconsulting.com. Be sure to follow on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn.